0: Well, good morning to you again, and it's such a blessing to have the opportunity to share again. And we've been looking over these last few weeks on this topic of seeing in the Spirit, and I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I want to share with you why. Why is it that I've been speaking about this topic over the last few weeks, and especially in the middle of this pandemic season? Now, if you remember, we looked at this subject and we defined seeing in the Spirit as the ability to see beyond the natural appearance of things, the ability to see beyond lack and to see the provision of God in every situation, especially in hopeless situations where there doesn't appear to be any natural provision there. And as we've looked at various examples and scriptures of men and women who've been able to see by the Spirit, we have begun to see that their, their provision, what they saw as provision was nothing less than the presence of God with them and when they came into that revelation the presence of god with them they did amazing things because as the prophet daniel said those who know their god shall be strong and do exploits and to know god really is to know how good he is and this is how good he is he's good enough never to leave you nor forsake you and to know that really is to know his presence in your life to know that is to live in his presence so we can say then that seeing the goodness of god seeing by the spurs allows the presence of god to manifest in and through our lives and it was such vision actually that allowed the apostles and the early church to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of god on the face of the earth by allowing the will of the father to be done in their lives on earth as it is in heaven now how how did that happen how did the will of the father appear on the earth as it is in heaven through their lives. And I can say the reason for that is because the world saw the church do something that they could not do. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Because as the Apostle Paul declared to the Thessalonians, that is the will of God for all men in Christ Jesus. That's first Thessalonians five, sixteen to eighteen. So this truth of god's desire for his church to see beyond the natural realm to see by the spurs this has been on my heart really much of this year and now i want to share with you why you see over the last nine months during the course of this uh, global pandemic there has been a stripping away uh, of a certain amount of liberties and freedoms that the church especially the church in the west has got to take for granted now in reality these new restrictions in fact are nothing compared to the persecution and the pressures that the underground church is under in many parts of the world and of course it's also nothing compared to what the early church went through and several times this year we have already looked at that beautiful example of Paul and Silas under restriction locked in that jail in Philippi having had their freedom unjustly taken from them and we've seen that from that prison cell Paul and Silas there arose such a song of thanksgiving, that through that song of the Spirit, we could say, the other prisoners there saw a manifestation on the face of the earth of the kingdom of heaven. They saw a demonstration of power. Yet, rather than respond in the Spirit, much of the modern church has reacted in the flesh. Instead of the world hearing the supernatural sound of thanksgiving and peace, the sound of heaven, the song of the Spirit, it has to be said that from a large parts of the church, there has been the only too natural sound of complaining and fear. The sound, in fact, of unbelief. And I want to think about why that has happened. You know, last week I went to get a haircut, and uh, it was an unusual experience, because I've never usually been found to be queuing outside in the cold street just to get into the barbers. And in fact, as I was standing there, I could hear the conversations of everyone in the queue and everybody was talking about the C word. Only the C word wasn't Christmas, Uh, it was COVID. Now last year, it was the B word. We're all talking about Brexit. This year, it's the C word. I hope we're not going through the dictionary because D only stands for despair, disillusionment, and disappointment, discouragement. But in fact, what I noticed as I listened to everyone share their opinions in that queue, was that, uh, and I've seen this especially on social media this year as well, is that everyone, seems to have a really strong opinion, and to have their opinion backed up by facts and statistics, by lots of information. Suddenly, we're all experts. And suddenly, we're all convinced that to win any argument, all we need to have is more information and better information than the other side. So whether it be about coronavirus or masks or vaccines, if my information is better than your information, then I am right and you're wrong. Now, to make matters worse we have never had more access to information than we do in this present age whatever your opinion is you can go right now onto the internet and you can find people who will agree with your opinion and uh, once you start reading all the information that they have it will only convince you further that you're right because the way the internet works is it'll keep feeding you back what you're actually reading the type of things that you're reading so by the time you've read all there is to read and listen to all there is to hear you'll be absolutely convinced that your opinion is right and you also you'll be equally convinced that the evidence is so strong that anybody who doesn't agree with you obviously has no excuse and is worthy of the strongest condemnation and that has led to one of the other increasingly obvious signs of this conversation this year about the pandemic and that is how angry people are getting Now the root of that anger is fear. For some people, it's the fear of losing their health. For other people, it's the fear of losing their freedom. And these fears manifest in conversations as anger. And so the language that more and more people are using is the language of complaining, what the Bible calls grumbling. Do you know that the language of heaven is pure thanksgiving? If you're born from above, then your native language, as it were, is thanksgiving. That's the language of the spirits. But if thanksgiving is the most heavenly language, then grumbling, complaining, is the most earthly. Now, as I stood in that queue and I listened to one complaint after another about the way things have gone this year, um, it was quite shocking. And you may say to me, well, Phelan, what's surprising about that? Why were you surprised? Well, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me when that comes from the world. But what surprises me, and what really disappoints me, is when I hear believers speak in that same language and start to complain about the government. Now, as believers, we are completely free to agree or disagree with government policy. But here's the difference in the way we disagree to that of the world, and it's a big difference. And the difference is this. We can disagree while still remaining in thanksgiving. And that's because the Holy Spirit is pouring into our hearts the love of God, which includes a love for those that we disagree with, which means that because of that love, we can rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. You see, the world has a reason to complain about the government that the church do not have, and here it is: the world's hope is in the government; ours is not. Believer, when did you catch? the anger of the world. have being the day that your hope slipped off of what Christ has done and onto what the government might do. Now, how does that happen? How does a believer catch the unbelief of the world? Well, here is where all that information that you've been reading about how to not catch the virus actually may help you, because unbelief is caught in much the same way. All you have to do is hang around this bird of unbelief long enough with a low enough immunity And you'll catch it keep spending more time listening to the spirit of the world than the spirit that comes from god and your immunity to unbelief will weaken and that's because the immunity of the believer to unbelief is thanksgiving now that's worth saying again the immunity of the believer to unbelief is thanksgiving Anything that is sapping the thanksgiving from your life is weakening your resistance to the that's in the world. Let me put that in plainer terms. Keep spending more time listening to the world than listening to the Holy Spirit, and soon your language will change from thanksgiving to complaining. Now the Bible tells us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that means that when your vision falls from the heavenly realm to the earthly, and when your hope falls from Christ unto men so falls your language from the heavenly language of thanksgiving to the earthly language of grumbling and you know why the language of heaven is pure thanksgiving because in the heavenly realm they can all see the truth and the truth is that all that needs to be done for you and I to live in peace with God has already been done now you cannot see that and remain the same no more than a dark room can admit light remain the same and really our lives are to be those houses of light and our confession is to be that song praise God of the Spirit we receive that light from Christ in fact Jesus said to his disciples you are the light of the world he knew that when our hearts were filled with the truth of who we are and what he has done for us then out of the overflow of our hearts would come pure light that would dispel darkness that would dispel fear how does it glorify God when our words do not reveal a heart of thanksgiving, but a heart full of fear. Now, why should the world listen to us when we tell them not to be living in fear of losing their health, when they can hear by our complaints that we're obviously living in fear ourselves of losing our freedom? We tell them to put their hope in Christ alone, but then we complain as if our hope was in the government. We tell them that uh, who can be against us if He is for us, but then we complain that the government appears to be against us. Now, you might say, well, Phelan, no big harm done. I mean, we're only letting off a little bit of steam, that's all. Well, actually, we weren't called to let off steam. We were called to let off light. And I would argue that it's no big deal because that's not what the book of James says when it talks about the tongue. It may appear very small, but like the rudder of a ship, it can direct the whole course of your life. In fact, listen to what he says next in James chapter three. And as you listen to this, I want you to think about the things that you have heard come from the mouth of Christians across the world in recent days. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Believer, you're called to be a spring of fresh water, to be a source of living water, the very words of the Father. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying. And Jesus is the head of his body, the church. So how can the head and the body be speaking two different messages? The Spirit imparts to us the mind of Christ, that we would think the thoughts of the Father, that we would speak the words of the Father. Church, we have no authority and no unction of the Holy Spirit to give our opinion, only to give the mind of Christ. We have no unction, we have no authority from the Holy Spirit to give our opinion, only to give the mind of Christ. Now, if you want to let off some steam and give off to the world about the people you don't agree with, then you're absolutely free to do that. But please don't act surprised when your words don't have the power to bring anyone into the light of Christ, but only into the darkness of fear. That's because the Holy Spirit is not the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, the mind of Christ. Now, down through the ages of the church, there has always been issues in society that have caused controversy and divided the opinions of believers. In our generation too, there's always been controversy about such things as, should a believer get a tattoo? Should believers drink alcohol? What about divorce, remarriage? And with some things, you know, we can find obvious references in scriptures that may help to clarify matters. But increasingly these days, we can find no direct references to some of the issues that lie before us today because of the uh, advance of technology, especially in the medical field. Uh, In medicine now, it's possible to do things that were never possible before. And we have to ask ourselves, is it right to do it just because we can do it? Is it right, perhaps, to extend life if we're doing it in a controversial way? And right now, we can find sincere believers who are divided on many of these medical issues, and perhaps in the years to come, over issues like artificial intelligence. Now, often the temptation is to take the easy way out. And the easy way out is simply to go to somebody we respect and say, tell me, yes or no, what should we do? Tell me what to think. Is the answer yes or no? Is this right or wrong? Now, when it comes to being asked these difficult questions, I have a guiding principle that I have found helps me in ministry, and it's simply to remember this. My primary calling is not to give advice, not to give good advice, but to give good news. My job is not to tell you what to think, but to give you the truth that teaches you how to think. Because the gospel is the truth that enables people to think from the place of thanksgiving, not from fear. And I've found that decisions made from thanksgiving always bear better fruit than decisions made from fear. When my children were very small, I had no problem telling them what they should do because I wanted to protect them. But no father wants his children to always need to be told what to do. His desire is that they grow up to know for themselves what to do. So I have a question for you this morning. How do believers grow up to know what to do about all of these questions? And I think if you find the answer in Ephesians chapter four because there it says that true essential ministries in the church grow the body of believers up, grow them up into the head, not through the impartation of knowledge, but through the impartation of love. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Ephesians four fifteen and 16 tell us that it is as we speak the truth in love to each other that the whole body is built up and that we grow up into His image. And indeed it also says that it is from Him that the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. Let me put that another way. We may live in the information age, where you and I have more access to information than we've ever had in our lives before. But as in every previous generation, the church has never matured into Christ-likeness through information, but through a revelation of the love of God. And that's why all the education in the world is no guarantee of wisdom. Because if all that education, if all that information does is strip you of your thanksgiving, then all you have become is an educated fool. The body of christ the church grows in christ likeness grows up into the head not through the impartation of information knowledge but through the impartation of love let me give you an example of that let's say we have a newborn baby and he needs round-the-clock care and so you are presented with two young women who could look after this baby neither of whom have ever had any opportunity to do that before and i'm going to ask you to choose between these two women The first woman has spent months and months studying many books on how to raise a baby. I mean, the information she knows is incredible. She knows the exact temperature the milk should be, and she knows all about the symptoms of colic and the best thing to do. But the baby to her is a complete stranger, but she's all set to go. The second woman, on the other hand, she hasn't read any books at all. In fact, her information about how to rear a baby is a fraction of the first woman. But there is one significant difference between her and the first woman. She's the mother of the child. She's carried that child for nine months. Now, which woman are you going to choose? The one who has the information or the one who has the love? My point is this, in the coming days and for the rest of your life, no matter what the issue is, from vaccines to artificial intelligence, information without love cannot bring you into Christ-likeness. And any decision founded on fear will never bear the fruit of a decision founded on thanksgiving. On a revelation of the love of God. So yes, I'm still refusing to give you a simple yes or no answer to such questions because you may be convinced that the only issue is whether it is right or wrong to do a particular thing, but I think that there is a greater issue and that is the issue of the heart. What's the point you see of making the right decision of being right on an issue when your attitude to those who oppose your position shows your heart to be full of fear not love? What's the point of being right when the way you're being right is pushing others away from Christ? What's the point of being right when the Holy Spirit would rather that you be wrong? Because your idea of being right is hindering people from coming to Christ. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. When full of the Holy Spirit, he said to Corinthians who were taking each other to court to prove themselves right, he said to them, would you not rather be wronged? Would you not rather be cheated than behave like this before the world? There's a strange story in 1 Kings 3 of two mothers, in fact, or two women who were fighting over a baby. They both claimed that this newborn baby was theirs, and they came before King Solomon, and he was left with the task of trying to decide which woman was actually the right mother. What was the right decision? Eventually inspired by the Holy Spirit, he called for a sword, and he said he was going to cut the baby in two and give one half to each of the two women. One of the women said, that's a good idea, well done king, go ahead and do that. You see, the thing that terrified her most was being shown to be wrong in front of the king. The other woman, she cried out immediately and said, no, give the child to her, don't harm my baby. Well, of course, the king knew immediately which woman was the mother, because the true mother didn't mind being wronged as long as her child wasn't harmed. Church. What's the point of being right, of holding all the right positions on all the moral issues of the day, only to end up as far from the heart of God as the elder brother lecturing his own father on the rights and wrongs of the prodigal son? What's the point of being right when the heart of God felt by Paul for his Jewish brothers was to rather be wrong and cursed and cut off from God than let them perish? What's the point of being right when the very God we claim to serve is one who chose to be wrong, who chose to be cursed in order that we would become right. You may think your greatest need right now, with so many strong opinions flying around the world, is to know who is right and who is wrong, that you may choose to be on the right side of an argument. But we all have a greater need than to know the right thing to do. We need to know the heart of him who went to the cross, not so that he would be right, but so that that we would be right, we who were his enemies. To be filled with the nature, the spirit, the love of God is not to ask, what should I do in order that I would be right? But rather it is to ask, what should I do in order that my brother would be right? That's why the church has never matured into Christ's likeness by information, but always by the revelation of the love of God. God's answer was never to educate Our old self but to put him to death because a self-centered life can never be right in the eyes of God you know throughout the New Testament you'll find accounts of controversial issues that were abounding in the church at that time just like we have ours today and Paul wrote on some of these issues when people wrote to him to ask his opinion and the Corinthians wrote to him to ask on one of these issues it was the issue of whether it was right or wrong to eat food especially meat that had been sacrificed to idols in a pagan temple. And like many people today, they probably believed that the answer was a simple yes or no. Just tell us, Paul, is it right or is it wrong to eat that meat? All Paul had to do, they thought, was to give them a, sem- a simple yes or no. But he didn't. In fact, we can read these words at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He said this No about this question of food, sacrifice to idols. And then he spoke for three chapters. And he said, effectively, yes and no. You see, it depends. And what he decided on, his action, the fundamental question for Paul, was not whether his action would make him right or wrong, but the effect his action would have on his brother. Do you know the reason why so many in the church are so desperate to be right? That they have no problem cursing those whom they see to be the enemies of all that is right. Because they have no revelation of their own righteousness in Christ. And without that, you'll always be trying so hard to be right that all your decisions are always about you and not about others. But a self-centered life can never be right in the eyes of God. No matter how many issues that you are right on, at the end of the day, the self-life can only produce a selfish life. And that's why Paul spoke in Romans 10, Romans 10 of, the, of the zealousness of his Jewish brothers as they strove to establish their own righteousness rather than submit to the gift of God's righteousness, Christ. You see, don't be taken in by how passionate and how zealous many Christians sound on the great moral issues of the day. No matter how right they sound, if you really want to know if they're being led by the Spirit, listen to the way they speak about their opponents. Do they speak in the language of the one who laid down his life for his? Do they speak the language of thanksgiving? Some of the most zealous Christians on the subjects of morality have little or no revelation of the things of the Spirit. Because as long as you're trying to establish your own righteousness, you cannot submit to the righteousness that comes from God, the love that would rather be found wrong than others would be found right. The body of Christ, the church, has always grown in Christ's righteousness, has always grown up into the head, not through the impartation of knowledge, but through the impartation of love. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the love of God and a thanksgiving that lifts your eyes off yourself. And that's why my answer throughout this year to all the questions before us is to simply keep preaching the gospel, the good news that fills men with thanksgiving because the only immunity to the pandemic of unbelief is thanksgiving. Now there's a lot of good advice out there both on how not to catch the virus and how to get immune to it. And there's nothing wrong with taking good advice. I'm going to take that good advice. Good advice will help you not to catch COVID, but good advice is not enough to stop you from catching unbelief. Because the only immunity to the unbelief in this world is a level of thanksgiving in your life that only the good news of the gospel can produce. A gospel that reveals you to be right, not because you did the right thing, but because he did. A gospel that reveals you to be now right because you are now right where he wanted you to be, hidden with Christ in God. Nothing you or I will ever do will make us more right than that. Only when we start to see that, only when we start to see by the Spirit can we leave our self-centered life where he left it, in the grave, and rise up every day instead to live that others would be right. For to live like that is to live as the body of Christ. God bless you. Well thanks for watching today and if you really felt something spoke to you today or touched you feel free to get in touch and you can do that by just searching River City Church Ireland on Facebook or on YouTube and I just really believe that as you're just listening to these messages that something is changing in your life because the word of God never returns to him void. God bless you.